Thompson. Like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top. Subic, great grab. Across the ground. Bam! In comes Donny Wormold. Got it out to a oh. kick. Kick smothered. Check. Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Rioli. Spin. Grips. Goal. Superb from the Eagle. Kicks inside 50. McGovern. McGovern. What a play. G'day everyone, welcome to the West Coast Eagles Big Footy Podcast for another week. I'm your host Honey Badger 35. Coming up on this week's show, we'll recap the Eagles' stunning comeback in Adelaide, find out who's pushing for selection, preview this weekend's clash with the Dogs, and stay tuned because we might just have a special guest on the way. But first, we go to the man who is from South Australia. The Eagles might as well be from South Australia at this point, honestly, mate. Another game for you, another win. Please welcome Mr. KK. Thanks, man. We are so very blessed. Um, I'm blessed to not have got divorced over the weekend after dragging my crow-supporting wife to the post-match function for an hour and then getting her drenched afterwards on the way back to the train station. <laughs> okay, uh, so... All's fair in love and war, and it was a bloody awesome win. Now, you mentioned in the thread, I believe you were sitting towards the Eddie Betts pocket there on the left of the broadcast side where he was out of bounds by a mile uh, on one of their early goals. But obviously that was the way that the Eagles were kicking two towards the end. So how good was it there? You would have seen some good wins. How does that one stack up compared to the uh, recent Adelaide Oval escapades we've been having? Uh, it's probably no no match for the after siren ones. But in terms of a full, full quarter effort and a fantastic second half, and as you say, the last quarter, with the guys kicking goals down our end. Um, yeah, really celebrated hard the Oscar Allen goal. I love those sort of running into the open goal ones to put yourself in front. That was probably the highlight for me. Very good. Well, we will get into the Adelaide game in not too long from now, but first, also, let me welcome to the show, back again, back on the road, hitting the pavement and getting us all the gossip keys. Welcome back. Yeah, back again. Four in a row. Starting to show some signs that maybe our best form's not that far away. No, it's all ticking along very nicely at the moment. And with that, we might as well dive straight into it. So let's go. West Coast Eagles, 13 goals, 7. Defeated Adelaide, 10 goals, 13. The Eagles ran out victors in the end by 12 points. It uh, wasn't all that close for a while. In the second quarter, there were some worries. But the Eagles came home with a wet sail. Furious comeback. Uh, I believe they closed on a 62-17 to 17 run. And after being 33 points down, the Eagles stormed home to what could prove to be one of the most important victories of the season. Keys, we'll start with you. It was touch and go for a while there, but once halftime hit and beyond that halftime siren, the Eagles really just looked for all money like the reigning premiers. Yeah, second half, I think probably our best footy we've played this year. And it was only, it was really just a patch in that second quarter. I mean, I... I watched the replay again last night, and I watched those highlight packages that you put together. And the thing that struck me is, early in the second quarter, we still were leading. Adelaide didn't score. I remember I was watching, because I was watching my son, and I said at that stage, it's a bit of a worry because we're, we're sort of controlling the game, but we're not getting a score. And then you saw Adelaide got a couple of goals. With six minutes to go, though, in that second quarter, it was still only a goal behind. It was 29 Adelaide, 23 to us. So it was just that last five or so minutes of the second quarter where they really did get right on top, and we just couldn't get it out of our back line. But then, you know, after conceding the first goal of the third quarter, it looked decidedly shaky. Uh, must admit, I wasn't all that positive about a come from behind win, but the guys really turned it around, led by uh, Shui and Yo, to, to really get us back in the game and uh, take care of it. It was a great, great effort in that second half. So there were two patches for me where, you know, the red flags were right up. First patch, opening 10 minutes of the game, uh, was a little bit suspect and Adelaide scored certainly at least two goals. I think they might have even scored their full 14 points for the quarter in that opening 10 minutes. And then, as you say, yeah, look, the back half of the second quarter was a nightmare. 36 to 1 was the score in the second quarter. I believe the inside 50 count, 24 to 5 or similar to that. So it really was just an inundation and just eventually goals are going to come and, and, and so they did. I know footy doesn't work like this, but if you throw out the second quarter, the Eagles absolutely smacked the Crows. You know, Losing the second quarter by 35 points and still coming around to a win is massive. 
KK, we touched on it a second earlier there. And look, the Eagles have had some famous victories in Adelaide. This was yet another one for the list. What did you like out of the comeback? And are you concerned about the red flags or are you more thrilled about the comeback? Yeah, I think the game sort of was, it was one in the midfield and looked like being lost in the midfield. As Key said in the second quarter, we just couldn't get the ball past the middle. They'd score a goal, send a clearance, and the ball would come down our way and we'd never get it out. And the second half was really the, the opposite of that. I think, uh, I think Tim Jeff spoke at the post-match function about Simpson really putting it on the players at halftime in the midfield and saying they needed to lift. And, and boy, did they lift. If anyone wants to question whether this team's got any heart or desire to go back-to-back, just just watch that, that we're, we're five goals down on the road against a good team. Conditions don't really suit us. And all we had to do was roll our sleeves up and just win it at the coalface, and, and the guys did. Um, I think we probably got a bit fortunate with, with the weather. The, if the forecast rain had, had appeared, then we might have struggled to, to turn around the deficit even as well as we played in that second half. And I don't think the Tools would have been able to dominate in the last quarter like they did if the, if the conditions had been a bit, a bit wetter. So we've been a bit, a bit fortunate there, but you've got to make your own luck at times as well. So you've both raised the midfield now, and obviously that was the story. After halftime, the broadcast made a big point to note that Hutchings had dropped the tag on Sloan and the Eagles were more willing to go head-to-head in the guts. Obviously that paid dividends. Shuey was terrific, 33 disposals, 27 for Yo, but also Gaff, 33, Sheed, 31, Redden, 27. So these guys all worked into it. Keys, just for a minute, let's talk about Elliot Yo, and I think we've given him a lot of attention over the last few weeks, but rightfully so. Uh, 16 tackles last week. 15 again this week. So he's just an absolute bull. We've talked a lot about this midfield not really having too many dynamic options, but when Elliot Yo is on, he is one of the form players of the competition. How, how good has he been in the last couple of weeks? Oh, he's, he's just been fantastic. I think it's not really just his possessions. It's the bullocking work that he does through the middle of the ground. And I, I mean, we're not, we're not a big midfield, but he is one guy who is, has quite a bit of size about him and we really need him to use it. And I think, you know, the comments we made in some of the match day threads and stuff like that, that, you know, angry yo's the best yo. And when he, when he really grinds his, puts his teeth together and grinds out like that, we're a much better unit for it. And he's very, when he's in that sort of mood, it's very hard for our oppositions to stop because he just, he just disrupts everything they're trying to do. Um, and he's, he's actually quite, he's, quite good off both feet with his disposal as well. So he's a real weapon. And when he unleashes like that, it, it adds a real dynamic to our midfield that, that uh, you know, we do need because we, we don't have, you know, some of those other really big-name midfielders. But I think our yeah, first playing for Victorian club, uh, we say it all the time, but he'd get a lot more attention than what he would. Yeah, huge game from him, uh, especially in the first half. He was our driving force. Uh, and while we've acknowledged, yes, the games, you know, certainly didn't go our way in the second quarter, Yo was terrific early and he had some really crucial influence late. But speaking of late influence, Luke Shuey. KK, on the broadcast, it was clear as day that he was just everywhere, pulling, you know, coming out of every pack and influential disposals all over the joint. Sitting at ground level, what was the atmosphere like every time Luke Shuey went near the ball? I would suggest there'd be a bit of dread amongst the Adelaide Oval faithful because he was just class in that fourth quarter. Yeah, it was certainly noticeable and... You could probably sense the collective groans that it was him winning yet another clearance as opposed to one of their players. I think Shuey's a massively underrated player. And I think one of the things, probably a bit of a disservice to himself, is that he, he seems to play a bit up and down to the level of the opposition. And he doesn't, he doesn't dominate games where against an overmatched opponent to really get the sort of plaudits around the league as being one of the elite midfielders. But when when the game's there to be won in a big game, one in Norm Smith, he's the number I could rattle off half a dozen games where we've had a big fourth quarter effort that resulted in a win and he's been the driving force. And I know which I'd rather have as the guy who dominates against weak opponents who goes missing when it matters, or the guy that maybe has a quieter game and he doesn't need to be the main man, but steps up when he needs it. And so we're very, very blessed to have have that and keep him under the radar. I think the other thing about him is that his fitness and stamina is really underrated. The 
he just seems to be able to execute and produce his best football late in games where other players are tired, making mistakes. He's still clean around the ground, hits all these kicks, hits his targets, can kick a goal. And I think it's a really underrated trade of his. As we've all mentioned, the game probably won and indeed lost in the midfield. But let's move away there just for a moment. We'll have a look at our back line. Now, it's, it's been brought up, and obviously it's pretty evident, the second quarter, not fantastic. But that wasn't, I felt, really the back line's fault. Eventually, the weight of numbers and, and just the sheer wave and wave and wave after wave of pressure, you know, it was just relentless. Something's going to give. For me, I thought Shannon Hearn's disposal was yet again 25, so, you know, another terrific game on paper from him. I didn't actually think the back line did too much wrong defensively. I don't think we got a lot of... Uh, punch and counter out of the back line like we normally do. One thing I want to touch on very quickly, Keys, uh, Jeremy McGovern, what did you make of his game? Obviously the conditions perhaps not suited to a high-marking intercept player. Clubs now seem to be quite aware of him and are just slotting it down his throat every time, unfortunately. But, look, he did get lost a few times in the second quarter, and if there was a weak link, perhaps I would say that maybe on the day, strangely enough, it was Jeremy McGovern. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, Adelaide, in the second quarter in particular... They seem to find a way to isolate Malira on him. And I think, you know, for once, Govan, he actually looked a little bit exposed. Uh, the way they were bringing the ball in and using Malira in that forward half. And I don't think he had a, a good matchup for him. And I think they were using the on-ground interview with Sloan at, at half-time. And he, I think Sloan made mention that they were trying to make sure they engaged her and McGovern. And I think they did... In the second quarter, they did that really quite well. I, it's where we sometimes... I think it's when we miss Barass because he can also be that intercept marker and it just gives them gives the opposition sides a little bit harder work to avoid Hearn, McGovern and Barass. Um, and then I think we also miss Jetta in that... Particularly in that second quarter where, where we needed someone with good foot skills to maybe try and penetrate that zone that Adelaide had set up and we just couldn't find our way through. So on Jetta, Nelson obviously the replacement coming in for him it's been a while since we've seen him at AFL level and I thought early actually he was, he was pretty decent you know a few discussions either way for him on the board and look you know I think we'd all acknowledge he's probably a depth piece for the Eagles uh, and perhaps won't ever really be more than that. KK at the venue is probably a much more fair assessment of the defence. You can see all the moving parts. You can see what's happening perhaps outside of the frame on the broadcast. So, I mean, Nelson, Duggan, these sorts of guys. Shepard was all right. Cole, you know, Adelaide have some decent mid-sized to small forwards. How did you view the defence? And, and if you had to point out maybe where an issue lay, you know, what, what struck you sitting at the ground from a defensive standpoint? Uh, I thought Shepard, particularly early on, was, was really good. Um, as Nelson had a sort of Nelson type of game. He, he was solid. I don't recall any real howlers from him. Um, he was never going to be a replacement for Jetta in terms of his off- offensive talents, and I, that was something I was concerned about going into the game. And I think Cole, he had, he had a bad moment um, with Betts kicked a goal in the in the third quarter just after we, we started back, getting back into the game, and he let Betts mark a kick out of the middle. But, you know, I think they just they kind of really... Did a job. Um, the problem with where I was sitting, I was sort of low to the ground behind the goal, so I don't get a great, a great view of, of how things are going. And the two quarters where our, we were defending that end were the two quarters where we had more of the play going down the other end as well. Mm. So I, I couldn't really give you too many great, great insights. Moving around to the other end of the field now, the forward line. Interesting mix this week. We did go in a little bit taller than normal with Waterman in in the wet, and there are a few concerns about it. But ultimately, always looks better when you win. But I think the forwards held up pretty well. Kennedy, Darling combined for six goals straight. Allen obviously kicked that terrific goal at the end. A couple of goals from the small forwards as well here and there when they were needed. But overall, I think the forward line really has turned on the Willy Rioli inclusion. Forwards looking a lot better, a lot more settled. And Keys to have guys like Kennedy and like Darling who... You know, not prolific games, really, in any stretch, but far out, they kicked some very clutch goals towards the end. How important are those guys to the team? I, yeah, I think, you know, Kennedy's been fine in his form, coming back, you know, limited pre-season, and you know, even probably by his own admission, he's been pretty scratchy, but he's starting to show 
those signs that he's getting his best form back. I mean, Talia's a pretty good lockdown defender, and he's had some pretty good duels with him in the past. But he was working really hard, and you know, I think he overall, I think you'd look and say he won that contest. And and Darling, you know, again, everyone's he's been pretty scratchy. I mean, some not me been calling for him to be dropped, which is probably a bit dramatic, but. Uh, Again, he started, he started to clunk a few marks and, you know, three goals from each of them was a good good return. Uh, Cripps got involved. You know, we just just died in the clip. I think mean, really does make a massive difference that forward line because I think he does he does some things that, you know, most other players can't. I mean, in the early parts of the first quarter, he, he picked up a loose ball sort of between wing and half forward and it looked like it was just a dry ball. He just... It was just outstanding. I think we're just that much more dangerous with him around. And I think you see that goal he kicked in the second quarter, uh, sorry, third quarter, where he just sort of moved through the stoppage. You know, they're the ones that that sides they have to start to worry about what he's doing, and it helps other guys get off the chain as well. I'll just say that I had one of those anti-Darling idiots sitting behind me, so I was very pleased to see him have a good game in the end. And I thought he had a good game all day. He, he had a lot of contests that kicks weren't to his advantage or he was outnumbered. He never actually lost any of them. He, he halved a lot. And as a key forward, a lot of that's your role is just bringing the ball to ground, getting a stoppage and restarting. So I was happy to shut her up at the end. So a few weeks ago, we talked about, you know, a little bit of stress and a little bit of unrest in the Eagles camp. Things not going as well, perhaps, as they could have. And, and we outlined a few ways that we'd like to see the club change and a few things on field that we'd like improved. So for you, we've had, you know, strung a couple of wins together in a row now and some more impressive than others, but certainly this one, the cream of the crop. Have the club turned a corner in your mind from an on-field perspective? Is this, you happy to put the marker down at this Adelaide game and say, yes, they've turned the corner or is there still work to be done? I think my theory, based on nothing more than I've pulled it out of my ass, that from the start of the season, we've been hungry to go back-to-back, and but the players aren't sure exactly how to manage that, and probably some of the coaches aren't as well. I think there's a, there's a mindset of wanting to peak in September, and the flip side of that is you don't want to peak in April or May and trying to get that balance of playing well enough to win games now, but without spending all your tickets, I think we've kind of gone... Occasionally they've got that wrong and they're still learning as they go. And I think the consistency is getting better as as they learn that. I'd say probably our three best performances have been in our three on-paper toughest games, like beat Collingwood away, beat the very good GWS side pretty handsomely, and then the second half on Saturday. So I don't know if we've turned the corner. I think it's more just we're, we're learning the level we need to play at to win games, but still keep that long-term goal in mind. I don't think we've sort of we've now peaked and we're going to come out and smash the Bulldogs this week going to flat track bully mode. I think it might be more of the same. We'll, we'll play well enough to win, but again, we're not going to be going all out to hit our, our peak form at the moment. But it, it's definitely good signs. And I think the most pleasing thing was that when the chips were down and we needed to win, we showed we can go to that level. The last quarter where our, our tools stood up and we started to look like the Eagles of 2018. I mean, the goal that put us in front was three consecutive contested marks from Darling, Allen and then Kennedy. So I think that's a really good sign. It shows we're starting to get back out at 2018. Or oh, man, we can, we can do it when we need it. And yeah, that, that gives us confidence. So at the end of round 10, I mean, we're obviously very close to the halfway point of the season. The Eagles sit fifth. Seven and three, but keys. If you look at who we've played, we've played everybody else in the eight bar Richmond. So, on paper at least, or theoretically at least, the run perhaps should get a little easier, or there should maybe be some spots where we can fine tune a few things and still, you know, run out victors. For you, this Adelaide game, are you happy to say that this is where the corner has been turned, or there's still a little bit of work to be done? Oh, I think we're on the bend. I don't think we've completely turned the corner, but I think we're on the we're on the right track. Uh, you know, we're, we're probably we're finding our best football a little bit more regularly. I think, you know, if you look at the Melbourne game, you know, we had one, one and a half good quarters, you know, probably the same in the Gold Coast and St Kilda games where we, we sort of hit in patches. I think in the Adelaide game, I think you're probably looking at 
close to the two and a half quarters, possibly arguably three quarters, where we played our best footy. So yeah, we, we haven't completely turned it, and I think we, you know, we've we've got to still be cognizant that that you know we can't always just flick a switch. I mean, we've had a couple of games. I mean, the Geelong and Port games in particular, where we got behind and you know just couldn't find a way out. Uh, I think that was probably the best thing about the game against Adelaide is, you know, when we did look down and out, down and out, we did find a way back. Uh, and and to not just make a contest of it, but actually win the game. So yeah, we're we're on our way, but we're not. We've still got some work to do before we uh, you know we reach the level of of what we played last year and the level that we'll need to be at if we're going to uh, go back to back. Well, while the Mighty Eagles were pulling off a heroic victory in Adelaide, uh, the Beagles were doing it tough against Swan Districts. And in the end, they've been defeated 7-14-57 to 10-10-70. Tough day at the office for the Waffle, but there was the time clash. The two clubs playing at the same time, so obviously Waffle information a little hard to come by this week. But never fear, we've thought of it, we've got a plan B, and that is why... We've sent down our special guest this week to gather all the waffle intel and come back, report it to you guys. You're getting this exclusively through us. Please welcome back to the show, back from deletion, Miguel Sanchez. How are you? I'm good, yes. Um, yeah, like the Eagles in the third quarter, I've risen from the dead and um, yeah, and bounced back. How's life away from big footy, Miguel? Have you, have you been outside? Have you seen the sun lately? Is there anything we're missing out on? Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's... Um... I don't regret it at all, even though apparently my account hasn't been deleted, so I can still read stuff and everything at, and put my waffle tips in. But otherwise, yeah, I'm enjoying being free of the psychological need to comment on everything. Very good. That's a good advertisement for Big Footy, if ever I heard one. Uh, the Adelaide game, just quickly from you, obviously uh, something that you watched it on delay. Did you know the result when you watched it, or were you just blown away watching the comeback? I did, yeah. I um I made the decision to go out to Bassendean and watch the waffle, thinking that the the weather forecast in Adelaide was terrible, and um I had a bad feeling about the game, so I decided to go watch the Beagles instead, which is um yeah just another in the, the series of absolutely stunningly brilliant calls I'm making <laughs> at the moment. On a run. Uh, but yeah, I um I sort of was following the game on online and listening to the last sort of five or ten minutes in the car on the way home, which was a little bit stressful. Yeah, it's the first game in probably about three years that I haven't watched live and probably the last one for a while as well. But, yeah, uh, great result in Adelaide. Um, since watched bits and pieces of it back. One thing that really struck me was how well we adapted to the, the wet conditions this time. I think uh, when we had that bad run a few weeks ago uh, in, in wet conditions and also the game against Brisbane, we didn't adapt particularly well and we sort of tried to play our own game style, which doesn't hold up really well in the wet whether I, I thought against Adelaide, they seem to be concentrating more on, you know, just hacking it forward at all costs and, and you know, playing to the conditions rather than trying to pinpoint passes, which is our usual part of our game. So that meant that you know, guys like Hearn and McGovern probably had quiet games, but the, the Bulls in the inside um, midfield, like Yo, Yo, how well is Yo playing at the moment? And, and Shuey and, and Redden stepped up as well. So, yeah, great result. Um, really does set our season up nicely now. We've got um, yeah, a couple of games against two of the teams that are sort of lower down on the ladder, so we could theoretically be going into the bye nine and three, which would you know, just be fantastic and was um, looking really unlikely when we were folding the club three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about that. And look, we will obviously be previewing the Dogs game pretty shortly. But first, like I mentioned up top, and like you've just said there, look, you did get out to uh, Bassendine and you got to see the Mighty Beagles fall to Swan District. So, look, I might turn the uh, turn the floor over to you and say take it away. There's a couple of key players, you know, Josh Smith, Rotham, O'Neill, these sorts of guys that are pretty near the squad. And on paper, unfortunately, a bad day for the Beagles, but individually it looks like it was a decent day for a few of those guys. Yeah, there's a bit to take out individually, and it wasn't a... Um wasn't a terrible loss. You know, Swan Districts are, I think, a better side than their, their ladder position indicates. Uh, and the Eagles went, the Beagles, sorry, went in really undermanned. Um, they had nine top-ups, including Brady Gray in that. Uh, and then two of those were on debut as well. So we sort of 
we were digging a lot more into our the top-up squad than we have in previous weeks. The defence, I think, was particularly undermanned. You know, Nelson played uh, AFL, uh, Watson's out injured, uh, and Harry Edwards has gone out injured as well now. And um, that last one meant that McGuinness, Fraser McGuinness, ended up playing fullback. He did a, a pretty good job, but moving him down was sort of robbing Peter, robbing Peter to pay Paul, um, because you know with him out and Waterman played AFL as well, so that really left our forwards, um, tall forwards in particular, undermanned. Um, Bailey Williams was really the only sort of tall marking target down there, uh, and and he struggled. Uh, and also without McInnes playing that sort of, or McInnes and Waterman really playing that lead up forward role, our effectiveness going forward was really poor. It, it felt at the game like the Swans dominated for long stretches, but overall uh, the Beagles had almost as many inside 50s and actually had one more scoring shot than the Swans. So uh, territory-wise, they matched them, but the forward entries were quite messy and the, the Beagles squandered a lot of chances. Nick Reid, one of the amateurs who was um, one of the better players, had almost really played that centre-half forward role, even though he's, he's listed at 188 centimetres and I think he plays midfield at, at amateur level. He pulled a goal out of his ass, probably. Um, his, first, his, his first goal at waffle level, he was pretty excited. He missed a few before that, but he, you know, he sort of kicked one that was almost a, a kick in hope from outside 50, uh, and that got the ball rolling. Did they get around him? Uh, yeah, they did get around him. Very right? good. Yeah, that was good. Good yeah. to hear. And then kicked a couple early in the third quarter to really look like they were going to make it interesting. I think pulled the margin back to about four points. Um, and then Swans just sort of took the game away from them. Yeah, individually, uh, Cameron, Jared Cameron, obviously the star. He, he was responsible for some of those missed shots early, but then he, he kicked one in the, um, late in the first half and, you know, that really fired him up and, he kicked three in the second half, so he was, even before he was kicking the goals, he looked the most dangerous forward throughout. Bit of a surprise that he was in the emergencies for the AFL game, but certainly won't have done his chances any harm with the, the way he played against uh, Swans. Uh, the other good players out of the game, Xavier O'Neill had his best performance, I think, by far. Um, the issue for him this year has been output. He's He's been playing midfield every game, but he's been getting you know sub-10 possessions. He does use it quite well when he does when he does get it. Um, yeah, on Saturday he had 21 touches, used it pretty well. Was looking a lot more physical than he has in the past. So yeah, I don't know what's changed, but that was a really promising showing from him. Rotham obviously very dependable down back. Uh, he continues to have to fight above his weight. Uh, he was probably taking um, the second tall def- uh, tall forward for Swans with McInnes taking sort of the main target. Uh, but yeah, did really well. Um, very rarely beaten in his one-on-one contests. He looks to punch. I think it's, that's his first instinct is just to spoil every time. Just really no nonsense. So yeah, hopefully you see him back at AFL level shortly. Um, Josh Smith uh, had 28 touches. He, he ran pretty hard. Um, got involved in a lot of the link-up play that uh, did that did lead to goals. So yeah, good showing from him. Um, he was an emergency as well. Uh, Brooksby just dominated the ruck. He dominates the ruck every week. Probably the difference being this time that Swans have actually got a pretty good um, ruck unit in uh, uh, Nathan Blakely and um, and Corey Galt, who's got a bit of AFL experience. Yeah, Brooksby dominated the hitouts. Didn't really translate into um, first use of the ball. I think Swans midfield seemed to get on top a bit. Uh, but yeah, Brooksby played well, also had um, a few good marks around the ground and seven tackles. So, yeah, he continues to put pressure on on Vardy uh, and, I suppose, Hickey when he's back. Um, they were probably the best out of the the Eagles players, the AFL-listed players at least. There was a couple of good ammos. Um, you know, Brady Gray's a really good waffle player. He had a good battle with um, uh, George Hampson, who um, was probably ended up best on ground, but their, their head-to-head battle was really entertaining. And Andrew Fisher in defence plays really well as well. He's um, He's been a real find. The other AFL-listed players, um, Archie sort of showed flashes, con- you know, consistency, and putting in four-quarter performances is still the issue for him. Uh, Ainsworth, I thought, was quiet. I did see a comment on the, the board that he was doing quite well in and under, which I have to take that person's word for it because I didn't really notice it at the ground. Um, he only had 16 touches. Branda spent the whole game on the wing. Uh, they resisted the urge to either plug him in at, at full-back or 
or in the gap at centre half forward, even though they were pretty short on height. Um, so you know they're, they're persisting with him. Um, he did have some bright moments early, faded a little bit. You can see what they're doing there. I'm just worried that they're sort of they're going to turn him into Brent Staker as you know this six foot five guy that doesn't really have a position. Luke Foley probably had his best game for us as well. He um, I think he started off at half forward, ended up moving to half back. Uh, when Kolasic got injured, which um, he did the same thing against Claremont when um, when Watson got injured. He looked uh, really shaky then. Um, this time he performed pretty well. I thought he, he still had some shaky moments, but yeah, did took a couple of good marks and, and um, played pretty well down back. Mutimer and, and Riak were fairly solid down there as well, um, as was McInnes, who I mentioned off the top. Yeah, Bailey Williams, who I also mentioned off the top, was he had Tony Knott for company all day and was well held by Tony Knott, who actually outscored him, which is a worry when you're full forward and you get outscored by the fullback. Um, Compounded even more by the fact that it's Tony Knott. Yeah, well, Tony Knott has been a really good player for Swans since we delisted him. He's one of the couple of best in Ferris. He's probably one of the better um, key defenders in the in the waffle. So, oh, without question. Really, but he'll yeah, still always and, go down as like, oh my god, it's Tony Knott, you know? Yeah, he got his goal from a, a 50 meter penalty and um, dobbed one from. Well, outside 50, which was um, pretty pretty pleasing to the... <laughs> I'm sticking up for Tony Knott here. Yeah. Nah, that's fine. G'day, um, Tony, if you're listening. Yeah, well, he probably is. Of course. Um, yeah, so that was all the all the AFL-listed players. Yeah, look, so, yeah, in conclusion, fair bit to like individually from um, uh, O'Neill, Foley, uh, Cameron, obviously, so a lot of the, uh, the 2018 draft class that we haven't seen at AFL level yet. Um, stood up. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, Rotham continues to press, Brooksby continues to press, uh, and Josh Smith continues to sort of put his hand up as, as another option. So, yeah, a bit to like individually. Um, result, you know, not the end of the world, given the uh, the amount we had out. But, yeah, it'd be nice to continue to put some wins on the board in the waffle. For sure, it would be. Uh, very nicely done, Miguel. Look, I will just say quickly, this Sunday, the Beagles play Claremont at 11.30am at Optus Stadium. So if you're getting to the Dogs game, uh, good opportunity to make a whole day of it and get down and see the Beagles. Obviously, the healthier that the Eagles get, the more success the Beagles are likely to get. And they're, you know, an early season victory uh, against Claremont previously. So a nice little matchup again this week. But while we're talking Waffle, and while we're talking about who had a good output on the weekend... Jandamara asks from the board, will Jared Cameron debut this year? Now, Keys, we'll start with you. You've seen a bit of waffle in your time as well. Jared Cameron, the club clearly like him. They threw him in the deep end a little bit in the JLT. Four goals on the weekend, getting hard to ignore. Do you think that there's a chance he takes the field with the seniors this year? I think it's very good. At some stage, I think they'll try and find a squeeze him in. They like him. I think he brings a bit of create and a bit of speed. Uh, for a little guy, he actually tackles quite well. I think AFL level, he might have a bit of trouble sticking him, but he does put some pressure on. And I think the fact that he's been in the emergencies, I think maybe two, at least two times, possibly three. So I think the club are looking for an excuse to bring him in. And whilst I don't want to get too far ahead of other things, I mean, the injury report came out, and there's some lingering issues with Venables with his concussion, which, you know, they've now got him from two weeks out to TBC, so there's obviously a bit of a concern around him and when he might be back. Uh, so Cameron is really the next small forward in. So, yeah, I, I would... I'd probably be, at this stage, I'd be surprised if he doesn't play at some point this year. KK, the thought of a Rioli, Ryan, Cameron, Kennedy, Darling, Allen forward line, it's fairly exciting, obviously pretty dynamic when you have a look at it on paper. Do you think that there's room for him to make his debut? Let's say, assuming everyone stays healthy, do you still think he can force his way into the side this year? I just echo what, what Key said. I think the, the club clearly rates him higher than what you would expect for someone at his level stage of development. So I think it's a, the signs are there. It's a good chance that he will play. And you can in 22 players, you can find a spot for someone if you want them to play. I, mean, I wouldn't have expected Petricelli to play all 22 games at the start of the year, whether he's fit or not. So that's probably one 
one change you could make. You want to give Cameron a game and still have that delicious sounding forward line you just reeled off before or in Keith Bryan and Rioli down there with him. Certainly something to watch. It is indeed something we might be watching even as soon as this weekend. We will find out. Before we get on to this weekend's clash, I'll just say, Miguel, are you going to stick around and chat the Western Bulldogs with us? Yeah, I guess so. Just on Cameron, I was going to say, yeah, that there's every chance he could come in this week, possibly for Waterman, um, at, at the risk of sounding like uh, the person who caused my demise. Um, <laughs> he's he's probably sort of first on the chopping block in that forward line. Um, although, you know, he had a fairly quiet game from what I've seen against Adelaide. And, yeah, Cameron obviously did himself no harm. Um, and, yeah, you you cream yourself at that, at the, the prospect of Ryan, Rioli, um, Cameron and Petrocelli in the forward line. Um, yeah, and uh, with, with Venables possibly out, maybe up until the bye, then there's that, that spot there still up for grabs. So you, you could definitely make the argument for him to come in this week. And, yeah, I, I think we'll definitely see him at some point this season. He strikes me as the sort of guy that will rise to the level. So, yeah, I shouldn't be afraid to to give him a taste of it this week, as they did with you know, Petrocelli and those guys last year, give him you know, two or three games. Just a couple of uh, injury updates to get through before we get to the Bulldogs game. So first up, the big bit of news, Tom Barras has a hard deadline of six weeks now. Last couple of weeks on the injury report, he's been listed as, hypothetically, let's say, 8 to 10. Well, now they've just they've gotten rid of the 2, they've gotten rid of the upper limit, and they've just said 6 weeks, foot injury, 6 weeks. So he will still miss a few decently important games and, and a couple of good forwards along the way in that stretch, but should give him a good month and a half of footy before, fingers crossed, the Eagles' finals campaign gets underway. So that is good news. You've all touched on Venables. He's unfortunately still at TBC with the concussion. Concussion's no joke. Uh, if you saw the Paddy McCartan interview on the weekend, or heard the Paddy McCartan interview, I should say, some pretty confronting stuff in there about concussion, so not one to mess around with, and hopefully all the best for DV pretty shortly. Uh, Nick Nat still unfortunately listed as indefinite. The club is sticking with their post-buy line in the sand, so we will wait to see how that one plays out, but looking more and more realistic as we get closer and closer to the buy. Bynes is still TBC with the hernia. Brayshaw back to one week with the toe, uh, which will be something to watch from a Beagle's point of view for the time being. Edwards, TBC with the stress fracture in the foot, another unfortunate one there. Chris Marston, Tom Hickey, both listed as tests. Not to tip my changes, but I would suggest that Chris Marston is heading to the Beagle's for a while, given the line from the club was that he's been sent back with stuff to work on and he's not actually played since then, so we'll wait and see with that one. And then, of course, Francis Watson, one week with the shoulder. The injury list isn't, you know, we don't have a clean bill of health, as it were, but it's not in horrible shape. There's still a few pieces to come back, which will be nice, but overall the club still has a pretty uh, solid base of players to pick from on the injury front. Right, moving into the Bulldogs game, and we identified it a couple of weeks ago as there's a very important block of games coming up here. The Adelaide one was a big one coming up. Now, we need to back it up. These are the sort of trap games that you can't let slip. Everybody's on a bit of a high. Can't let the Bulldogs slip just because, you know, perhaps on paper it looks like maybe an easier game uh, than the Crows away game. So the Eagles play the Bulldogs Sunday, 3.20 p.m., the club's riding a four-game win streak against the Dogs, and last season we beat them twice by over 50 points. KK, let's start with the changes, and we'll start with you. What are you expecting to be the ins and outs from the weekend, and, and what's your general vibe for this game, knowing our history against the Dogs? I think changes. Uh, Jetta for Nelson seems a no-brainer. One in, one out. Venables, uh, I doubt they'll rush him straight back in this week, so I think, I think Waterman might keep his spot, and and then it's probably just down to Hickey or Vardy. If Hickey's fit, then I expect that change to be made. Vardy probably had his best game for the, the season. I know Simpson gave him a bit of a backhander in the press conference where he said he'd taken a contested mark, and they were really pleased for him. Um, so he was better on the weekend, but I still think if we're going with, yeah, with one ruck and Allen as a backup, that the club will go with, with Hickey. And I don't really see the call for any... Any more changes than that at the moment, um, given what, what Pivey said about players in the in the waffle. No one's really chomping at the bit there. Uh, in terms of Bulldogs, yeah, I, I, this is a game that we should win pretty comfortably on 
on paper, apart from the disaster of the 2016 finals, they got a pretty awful record over in Perth and over the last decade or so. So I, I do expect expect that can, to continue. I think we'll just have too much for them across the board. And I think having been given a scare on the weekend, I, I don't think we'll see too much complacency from the guys. And hopefully we have a good start. And if we are going to have a, a slack period, make it the second half when the game's in the bag. So I'm a little bit torn on the two rucks situation. Obviously, the hickey injury was unfortunately timed. The club's shown uh, a willingness to play him when he's available, and he's been quite decent when he has played. But the Dogs, 18th in the competition in hit-outs. I think it is another week where we can get away with uh, Vardy slash Hickey and Allen, you know, one plus Allen. So for me, the change is, yep, Jennifer Nelson's uh, somewhat of a no-brainer. And then we'll wait and see on the ruck division. Uh, other than that, I'd just be making the one change. Keys. For you, do you think that's the sort of thing where Cameron could play this week? Or is there somebody else to replace Waterman this week? Did the club look at two rucks? What do you expect to see when the teams are named? Uh, I think at this stage it's probably just going to be uh, Jether in for Nelson. I know Hickey's put down as a test. Guy's got an ankle injury. We're playing at Optus, which is notoriously pretty hard. I think we're probably better off just giving him a rest, particularly in light of the fact that, you know, as the other guy said, Vardy probably had his best game last week. So, yeah, I'd be a little bit concerned about Hickey. I'd, I'd, I'd leave him out. Even if he plays for, well, if he plays for the Beagles, it doesn't really help, does it? Because they're playing on bloody Optus as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure. Depends on his ankle. Um, but if Hickey's right, Vardy's the one that comes out. Waterman, he had a bit of a quiet game, but I'd really like to see them give him a, a bit of a decent run. He's sort of been in and out, partly through form, partly through injury. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see them give him another run. Uh, so, yeah, I just see the, the one change at this stage, I would have thought. Miguel, same for you, or do you have a different change in mind, and how do you think this game's going to play out? Yeah, probably Nelson for Jeddah is the only uh, only change I think will happen, um, even though I sort of I said you could make the argument for Cameron for Waterman um, earlier. Uh, yeah, Hickey, I think, if he's fit, will come back through the waffle be interesting to see how he goes in partnership with Brooksby because I, I think they're fairly similar but it'll, it'll certainly help make the team taller. Maston as well we haven't talked about but he's a chance to come back he'd, he'd certainly come back through the waffle I think now. Yeah, Nelson unfortunate for him, he, he didn't really do much wrong but yeah, sort of last in first out in the back line. Um, yeah, Venables I don't think we'll see for a little while, they'll be pretty protective of him, we, we don't want yeah, what happened to Paddy McCartan and those sort of guys to happen to him. Mm. So, yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I think just the one change. Um, Matty Allen is one that you know, keeps knocking on the door. He was the travelling emergency uh, on the weekend, but just difficult to find a spot for him at the moment. No, giving up. I'm giving up on Matt Allen, not as a player or a prospect, but just as an in. The concept of Matt <laughs> Allen coming into this side, is, is it's just easier to say it's not going to happen and be pleasantly surprised if it does. Seems like every other week we, we mock him into the side, you know, when we predict our changes. But for me, I'm just going to leave that Band-Aid on forever. It's, there's no point. It's not coming off. He's never coming in. Let's just live with that. Um, from a dog's perspective... They've lost Mitch Wallace. They've lost Hayden Crozier from their last game. A couple of unfortunate injuries there. But they've got a bit of fresh blood coming in. So Ryan Gardner, set to debut, he was one of the picks in the mid-season draft on Monday. 196-centimetre key position player. My understanding is he played forward in the early stages of the VFL season but has been playing back for the last seven or eight weeks. Given that he wasn't on their list when they last played and now he will be on the plane and, and you know, manning a key position post this weekend. It's certainly a, a big one to watch, a big narrative to watch. KK, do you think there's a chance that they'll play him back, given, I mean, look, from my understanding is that he has been playing back in the VFL, but surely you can't debut a kid who's just walked onto the list up against Kennedy or Darling at Optus. That that seems cruel. Yeah, good luck to him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we talked last week about the mid-season draft, and they, if, if that's the, if you're using that, as the solution to your list problems, then you've you've done something wrong back in the real draft. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, that would be a very strange decision to take uh, a guy in the rookie draft, oh, sorry, mid-season draft, and put him straight in against one of the the best tall forward lines in the in the league. So I think if he plays, he'll he probably plays a forward 
but I, I confess to knowing absolutely nothing about the guy. Oh, nor do I. Uh, everything, if, if you thought for a second that I know anything about him, that was all just bluster and having done some cursory reading. Keys, I'll start with you, and then uh, Miguel will throw to you on this one. The tagging role. Obviously, the midfield second half last week, probably their best output for the season. That was when we dropped the tag, and Hutchings was just playing a more head-to-head role out on the wing as he's been doing the last few weeks. The Dogs have a few candidates for who you tag. They've got Hunter, they've got Bontempelli. Do you think there's a tagging role for Hutchings this week? And if there is, where would you be sending him? I'd be sending him to either Hunter or McRae. I don't think I don't think Hutch has the physical capabilities to go with Bontempelli. I think it's been done before. I think Yo's gone head to head with Bontempelli before and done pretty well. Although. Am I right in saying Hutch has actually had some success on Bontempelli once before? Uh, I'm not sure. I just have a vague recollection. He did a, a job on him in one of the games last year, but I might be my memory might be off there. But I would still rather uh, Bontempelli seems to be going forward a bit more as well this season. So maybe you know, Yo when he goes midfield, and then uh, maybe Shepherd. Picks him up when he goes forward. Uh, but, yeah, Hutch, I think McRae or Hunter seems to be the guys that seem to get a bit of ball on the outside and give them some drive. I think uh, Hutch would be better on one of those guys. Or possibly um, Libertore, I guess, as, a, as someone that we want to, if we want to try and stop him at the source. Uh, Miguel, your thoughts on the Hutchings potential tag? Obviously, we've seen Yo go head-to-head with the likes of Dustin Martin, Nat Fife, these sorts of big-bodied mids in the past. Is that the matchup you want there and, and deploy Hutch somewhere else? That would be my preference, I think. Um, yeah, Yo going head-to-head with Bontempelli, and that's got the added advantage that you know, if he does drag him, you know, if Bontempelli does go forward and sort of drag his opponent with him, then you know, Yo's no stranger to having a matchup in defence. So um, you'd like that a lot more than you'd like you know, the 181-centimetre Hutchings, whatever he is, that's just off the top of my head, um, trying to uh, spoil him. Um, yeah, yeah, Hutchings is an interesting one. He, um, from what I've seen of the Adelaide game, he sort of, he started off in the middle um, tagging Sloan and that sort of pushed Redden out onto that wing. Um, whereas, you know, since Maston's gone out of the team, Hutchings has sort of played his role rather than, than tagging. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do this week. There is, yeah, Keys hit the nail on the head, I think, with you know, who the, the likely tagging targets are. Um, but the, the midfield seemed to work better, I think, with Redden in it um, and with Hutchings on the outside. So um, I'd be, you know, unless one of those guys is getting off the chain, um, I'd, I'd prefer to start the way we finished the Adelaide game and, and have Hutchings as that defensive runner on the on the wing and have, um, have Redden doing some more of the, the heavy lifting inside. It's an interesting one to analyse this game because, yes, it is a bit of a trap game, um, but ultimately it's the sort of game where if you've got premiership aspirations, you turn up at home, beautiful day on Sunday, there's a 0% chance of rain on the forecast, which should suit us perfectly. You know, you've just got to turn up to work and do your job on a, on a day like this. And the Eagles have, you know, had a bit of difficulty putting the Gold Coast away, had a few less than inspiring wins in the early stage of the season. But if we are starting to turn that corner, this is the one where you just rock up do your job. Nobody, well, there's one person, I should say. There is one person on the board suggesting this, but nobody else is suggesting it needs to be a 20-goal victory or anything like that. But you, you turn up and you have to solidly put a team like the Dogs away, not give them much of a sniff early. KK, we'll start with you. Give us your prediction for the result. Uh, give us the margin, all of that good stuff. And also tell me who is the Eagle to watch out for, who's going to have the best game on Sunday. Um, I'm in the mood for a bit of flat tracking, so I'd like I'd like a good win. So I'll go us for around half century of 50 point win over the Bulldogs. Uh, for our best player, I think um, I think Sheed. Yeah, it's back Sheeding for a, for another another good game. Um, kicked a lovely goal on the weekend, so let's put him in for at least a couple of goals and 30 touches this week. Perfection. That sounds very good to me. Keys, we'll throw to you next. What's going to happen on the weekend and who's going to start? Look, it, it, it really is a trap game. I think Bulldogs are a bit of a funny side. If you look at their record, they, they've actually had some pretty good results against teams higher on the ladder and turned to shit against the poorer teams. So I think they ran Geelong pretty close down at 
Sydney Park. So I'm expecting that they'll they'll give a pretty good account of themselves on the weekend. I think they'll they will test us. I don't think as much as you know we're probably due for a good old flat track. I don't know that this one's going to be it. Um, I think the bullies will come over here. They they'll be smarting at dropping a game against North on the weekend. They'll 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 come out and uh, give us a good run. I think. You know, I'm probably thinking probably three to maybe four goals, and I'll take that. You know, this time of year, you know, a win's a win. We just need to keep banking them. So if we can win by three or four, a decent quality game, I'll, I'll take it. Um, I think best on for us, I think Kennedy, as I said a bit earlier, I think he's starting to turn the corner. I think he's due, and he, he's got a pretty good record against the Bulldogs, so... I think maybe Kennedy with uh, a bag of six or seven goals and be best on. Sounds good to me. Kennedy uh, has kicked 50 goals against the Dogs in 15 games, so that's his best output against any team. He averages his second most disposals against the Dogs as well, so good shout from you, Keys. Should be on track for a pretty nice outing, fingers crossed. Miguel, from you, who's going who's gonna to win on the weekend? How much are they going to win by? And which Eagle is going to be the one to watch? I'm with Keys. I think I I would like to see a big win. Um, I'd like to see a 120 point win just to keep some of the Eeyores happy. Um, but I, <laughs> not mentioning any names or figures. Um, I yeah, I'd like to see a big win. I'm not expecting to. So I'd say we'll win by uh, about 30 would be a good win. I think. Um, best on. You guys have sort of taken all my choices. Kennedy, as you've pointed out, has had some big days out against the Bulldogs. Um, heaven help Ryan Gardner if he's playing at fullback on him in his first game, having been called up from the minors earlier in the week. Um, good story for Gardner. He spent three years on Geelong's list, didn't get a game, and um, has been playing for Footscray in the VFL this year. So he'll at least be familiar with the, the systems that they've got. Um, so you know, it's not like they've plucked someone from South America. Thing and, and called them up and they're going to play him this week, I suppose. Yeah, good story for him, but um, yeah, good luck to him if he's in, in the back line on either Kennedy or Darling. Uh, and you might have noticed that I'm stalling now while I try and think of someone who's going to have a good game. Um, Willie Rioli, I think, having... Um, this is round 11, so this is the game he really that really should have been his comeback game. And um, he will have a... Um, he'll put in a a big game and show why we were so keen to get him back in. He'll kick, I don't know, what's his career high? Has he kicked a four-goal haul yet? I'll pick him to kick four goals. And and Eagles by 30. Very, very good. Look, we're all picking some high goal tallies and some good output from the Fords and Sheed now picked. So while we all are a little bit uh, cautious about this game, perhaps the Eagles are in line for a big bit of a flat track. For me, just looking at the Dogs' history, they are... Up and down, as Key said. They've dropped some silly games that they would be regretting, but they've also taken it up to some good sides. So 44 points is their biggest loss on the season. I would suggest that the Eagles will not go beyond that point. So I'll say the Eagles are going to win by 40. We've all wanted to have Josh Kennedy, but congratulations, Keys, you got him this week. So new player for me who's going to have a good game. Well, why don't I throw it over to his partner, Jack Darling. Um, I feel like I've backed him in more often than not this, week, uh, this year, but... On the weekend, he had quite a good game working up the ground, a couple of really important relieving marks, and I've noticed he's now taking a fair bit of the ruck work in the forward line. So even though we've got Allen down there, and for whatever godforsaken reason, we've had Kennedy taking some knocks recently, Jack Darling on the weekend was very evidently the ruckman of choice. Once the ball went inside the 50, he got a fantastic goal assist to Willie Rioli from it, and I just think if he's getting those forward pocket throw-ins, he's the sort of bloke that could push a guy out of the way, take it clean out of the ruck, snap two or three that way. So let's say Jack Darling's going to kick five on the weekend and work his way up the ground. Solid 18-touch, five-goal game for Jack Darling, bringing it back to the 2018 form. All right, question time. And there's been a bit of a development this week in the footy world. It was the talk of the town over the weekend. It dominated all of the headlines. Brad Scott, unfortunately for us, has left the North Melbourne Football Club, one of the truly great men of the Eagles board. He provided us with plenty of content, 
you know, the, the camera in the coach's box on Brad Scott has probably been my favourite footy angle for the last 10 years. So, you know, unfortunately, he's, he's gone away. But with that, there is a vacancy there. And the natural link has been Adam Simpson to North Melbourne. A few names going around, but Simo with his tenure at the club, former captain, racked up 300-plus games at North Melbourne. Obviously, a, a very natural person to link with that gig. KK, do you think that there is any chance that Adam Simpson winds up co- uh, coaching North Melbourne in the next, let's say, 10 years. 10 years? That's that's a pretty big time frame. Maybe at the back end of that I could see it happening, just because every coach at every club has has a use-by date at some point. And um, I'm not sure of the age of his, his family, but it might, be, it might be that time in 10 years' time he's looking for another move. But in the immediate short term, like, there's no way in, in hell North are going to poach a guy from a premiership club, such a wealthy club, he can have pretty much every, anything he needs as a coach. They've been pretty successful in their poaching raids in the past, though, so oh, you yeah. never know. North, North Melbourne's track record on the war chest is next level. Yeah, no, that's a great call, Miguel. And um, I, I expect it to be another uh, fruitless um, mission for, for North to try and get him in the short term. You're, just, you're not going to go from the situation he's got at West Coast with all, all the resources a great list to go to North where you're, you're constantly going to be scrapping and scrounging to, to compete with the bigger clubs. Great. KK's putting a line through it. It must be said, Simo and some of the club have also, you know, some of the boys at the club have also put a line through it this week as well. Keys, Adam Simpson, a very, a very obvious link with him and North Melbourne, but do you think it's one that will be acted upon? Oh, look, I think, in all honesty, North would be negligent if they didn't make the phone call. I think he's... Yeah, he's one of the, the top tier coaches in the league, so I guess if you you don't ask, you you're not going to you're certainly not going to get. So I imagine they get the you know, they'll ask the question. I think they get a pretty short response. I think Simpson ruled it out on Channel Basil pretty well straight away, put it to bed. So I think that's the end of it. But uh, and I, I think the way he did it was quite emphatic too. So I didn't leave the um, the guys in the media too much wiggle room to. To say it's a possibility when you compare it, the way Simpson answered the question to the way Longmire did, Longmire was a little bit cagey about it, uh, so the press have sort of jumped on that, and uh, they'll continue on with the Longmire path, but I think they'll they'll put the Simpson one to bed, which will leave us alone and let us just get on with what we've got to do. So, yeah, interesting uh, turn of events. Uh, so we'll see. See how North go finding another coach, but uh, yeah, no one likely to be quite so entertaining as uh, as young Brad, who must admit was entertaining right to the end when he tried to shoulder charge Kingy in three quarter time, which was uh, truly quite bizarre. Yeah, it certainly was, and then rocked up on three sixty the following night with his North Melbourne polo, you know, still on, still fresh, ironed. Of course, he didn't wear it when he resigned, but he wore it on 360 when he was no longer coach. So good stuff, Brad, and uh, thanks for the memories. Miguel, do you echo the sentiments of the fellow podcasters here, or do you think there is the potential that Simo could be lured east? Uh, not this time. Maybe you know, next time the job comes up in, you know, if it comes up in five years, he would have done 11 years with us. You know, Possibly we're on the way down, and maybe then the lure becomes too great. Um, I was just think back to Malthouse, Sort of, he did a you know, he did a decade with the club and then moved back to Victoria. So, yeah, you know, that's a possibility this time. Yeah, no way. Um, as I saw somewhere on the internet, I actually saw it on the Nuffies page. I don't know where it originated from, but someone said that you know, he's he's building a house and he's got <laughs> such a he's got such a great deal for the build that there's um there's no way you'll be moving. So. I saw that. Yeah. Very shades of big footy. It was like, oh, I can't say how I know, but I'm pretty yeah. sure he got a good deal on his house. Uh, yeah. yeah. Heard, heard from someone down at the Brumbies, I think. Yeah. Oh, far out. Um, no, saw that. Yes, very good. And I think we're all in agreement. Uh, his current deal is to 2020, I believe. And, oh, sorry. 2022. T- yeah, 2022, I should say. So you, you think he gets to the end of that. And if the club's still in a good spot, we sign him up for another three years on the spot, you'd hope. Something like that, potentially even more. And then from there, that should take him out of the running for a fair while. Look, that's going to be all we've got time for this week. It's been a big one. Certainly a lot to dissect uh, throughout the weekend. And now we turn our attention to the Bulldogs. Keys, 
thanks very much as always for coming on the podcast. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. No worries, all good. KK, another great weekend for you. The Eagles continue to deliver at Adelaide Oval. So pleased for you on that front, and thanks for coming on to give us the inside track on everything that went down on the weekend. No worries, always a pleasure. And um, well done the club for the hosting the post-match function they do over here once a year. It's uh, well attended, and um, I think the, the fans definitely appreciate it. If you're listening, good work, guys. Yeah, we, we, well, we know we've got lots of ears inside the club, so hopefully that one uh, will be directed to the right area. Last but not least, Miguel, back from the dead. You went down to the waffle. You've put in the hard yards for us. Thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for sharing your insights. Yeah, no worries. Good to be back. Um, yeah, uh, won't say I'm grateful to have gone down and watched the waffle, but, yeah, never mind. <laughs> That's all right. Well, look, it is what it is, and... Uh, I mean, maybe we'll all get down to the waffle this weekend, seeing as that it's the curtain raiser. A good opportunity to make a full day of Eagles footy, as I said. Other than that, guys, thanks very much for listening. As always, if you've got questions, chuck them in the thread below or send a message to any of the regular contributors to the pod. And other than that, yep, hope for the best this week with the Eagles. A big win would be very much appreciated. All the best in round 11. We will talk to you this time next week. Bye. 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 Bye Bye-bye.